Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we try to do here every single day. Our quote of the day We are never more than a belief away from our greatest love, deepest healing, and most profound miracles. That is from our guest today, friends, Greg Braden. What up, Hill Squad? Welcome back. Glad to be back here in studio on the West Coast, even if it is just for a hot minute. (laughs) It's nice to be back with my Big Ed mug. It's funny, when you're away from home and you get back, you feel so good to like, you know, have your old routine back. Oh, absolutely. It's all the random things like that. Like the mugs or like, I'm like, oh, my, my moisturizer in my bathroom or whatever, you know, it's just like, it's the random stuff that feels good. It really, really does. Uh, Today, friends, we're going to be chatting with scientist and educator Greg Braden about the quantum language of healing, miracles, radical changes, the power of our minds, science, spirituality, so much more. I actually can't even really promise what we're going to talk about because I know what's going to happen with him. We're going to say one thing and then we're going to flow down a rabbit hole that's going to just blow all of our minds because he is uh, a brilliant man. He's a five-time New York Times bestselling author, scientist, educator, pioneer in the emerging paradigm, bridging science, social policy, and human potential. He's published over 20 books. Kelsey's read them all. All of them. (laughs) And he's known for uh, some... Uh, appearances. Um, he's he's been in uh, Heal as well, the documentary that we love, um, and he's got publications linking science and spirituality. I feel like him and Dr. Joe have a lot of similarities because they really believe in the power of the mind and the power of the mind to heal. To heal, yeah. And I was in Connecticut, and. Uh, I was having one of those moments. I was looking for more answers and I saw one of his YouTube videos and I was like, how have I missed him? How have we not had him on the show yet? Which is kind of the exciting thing about this show is we can still discover and, and, and there's always something around the corner that we want more of. And so 
he's healed himself of a tumor as well. Um, and you know, he has so much knowledge and I just, again, um, you know, or not again, I want to just share with you friends that if you're here listening to this show, we're here every day on this journey to get better in all areas of life. And I'm going to bring in people that I think have new ways, new thoughts, new ideas, new modalities. And it's up to you to do with that information what you want. We're not, not a doctor. Um, and so ultimately your healing and your choices rests on you. I just want us to think outside the box sometimes. I want us to see what new things are available out there, whether you're reading Tony Robbins' new book, Life Force, where you get to see so many things that are out there that you may not even be exposed to. You know, when I was in Georgia for the movie, I was thinking like, I'm in this little town called Tifton. It's so cute. And I'm like, if you live in in a big city, you're exposed to maybe more things than you are if you're in a smaller city. It takes a minute for things to flow out. So it's cool to, to be able to be exposed to these things. And, and there's always going to be that one person that does the, the, you know, impossible, whether it's Wim Hof, who, you know, if you guys have not listened to our episode, you can go back deep into the archives. Wim Hof, he's called the Iceman. And he, before him, you couldn't control the autonomic nervous system. After him, you can control the autonomic nervous system, and he trains thousands of people how to do it every day. He did experiments where they injected 28 endotoxins into his body, and he was able to control and not be affected by them. Um, but if you asked any scientist or any doctor, they would tell you it's impossible. But he did it. He did the impossible, and he trains other people to do it. So there's always going to be that one person who's going to do the impossible and make it possible for the rest of us. There's always going to be that person who, you know, at the Olympics that does the, the four minute mile. And now it's like 3.59 seconds or whatever it is. So that's, what's cool about us as humans. We're always evolving. We're always growing. So let's not be scared of this. Um, let's use it as hope and inspiration. And you have to also know that every body is individual. What works for one person may not work for you, but it doesn't mean that it didn't work for them. And so I just, I share that with you guys. And I hope that you know that my intention every day is to do the best that we can, um, for you guys. And for us, I mean, this show is for all of us. It's for me, it's for Kelsey, it's for Pooja, it's for Kevin, it's for all of you in the heel squad. So, um, and I, I really try hard to, to weed through and, and choose very carefully who we bring here. So, um, I leave you with that because we're about to have a really exciting conversation with Greg and, uh, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So we'll take a quick break. We'll bring in Greg and we'll be right back. This is Greg and Maria take one. I am so, so excited. Um, I was priming this morning with more YouTube videos and, and listening to everything. And, um, you know, our, our heel squad here as they're affectionately known as loves learning and growing. And, uh, and we're in a time where it's, it's very challenging when you have a new idea or something that goes against what traditional medicine says, um, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of all, you know, in this very, let's pit each other against each other rather than mm. try to learn from each other 
kind of moments. So, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy out there. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're excited to talk about miracles, how to, how to attract miracles, how to, how to believe in miracles and, and, and get them. Um, I know that you, with your own tumor, I mean, I think it was, you said it was like two weeks you were able to, yeah. to heal yourself of a tumor. Are you able to share a little bit more about that? Cause in the video you were like, I'm going to make a long story short. And I'm like, no, I want all the details. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I'm just going to take a half step back and just, uh, touch on, on what you said. We, we are living in a, a very unique time. And I think everyone in your community, everyone watching this knows this, and it means different things to different people. It's unique to different people for different reasons. I'm a scientist. I'm a degreed uh, earth scientist with a, uh, a strong background in, in systems, systems thinking. And from the big picture perspective, there are reasons why this is such a unique time. We're, we're living this rare convergence of cycles, natural rhythms and cycles. We haven't seen in 5,000 years of recorded human history. Climate cycles are part of that, economic cycles, cycles of human conflict all are, are converging in a way that we've never seen in, in our lifetimes. We haven't seen in, like I said, 5,000 years. And what, it, what it's ha doing, Maria, is it is upsetting all of the belief systems. Uh, everything is up for inspection right now. Uh, and it's overturning a lot of the, the false assumptions and the false narratives of, of the past. And that's true across the board. And there are so many places we could go. To, to talk about that. We're going to zero in on what it means for us in terms of, uh, of our humanness. What does it mean for the human body? What are our capacities? What are our capabilities? And, uh, and this is really important because there is a movement to replace our humanness with technology. And I think we're all seeing that with chemicals in the blood, sensors under the skin, chips in the brain. Uh, and those can benefit us in some ways, and it's a slippery slope, because when we begin to replace natural human biology with artificial technology, what the science is showing us is our natural abilities begin to atrophy. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's, <laughs> well, there's isn't a, that what uh, happened when we got calculators and iPhones? We didn't have well, to I, do yeah, the math I, anymore. I, I think so. Well, in biology, the term is use it or lose it. And, you know, we've all heard that before, and, and certainly it's true. So, so when we're talking about these capabilities, what we're really talking about now are, are aspects of the human experience and potentials within the human body that we may have heard about anecdotally, you know, miracles in the operating room or uh, our indigenous ancestors have always talked to us about, uh, you know, the ability to heal in ways that, that modern science simply uh, cannot acknowledge because it's based on principles that they don't understand. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content, and a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community, or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment, and we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, 
please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. So, uh, so this is the context within, within which uh, you know, all this is happening. One of my first experiences with these potentials is what you were talking about. I was uh, diagnosed with a, a growth uh, in, in my bladder uh, through scans. They were able to see it and then through a scope. And, uh, and of course, they wanted to, to operate. Uh, this is the, the way to, to go about doing these things. And it was interesting because it happened. This was in the uh, early 2000s. And for 10 years, I had been sharing with my live audiences uh, a video of a miraculous healing that was recorded in what is called a medicineless hospital. It sounds like an oxymoron. The one in but China, a, right? Yeah, a traditional medicine hospital in, uh, in Beijing is where it was. It's based upon uh, traditional medicine that is preserved largely in the Tibetan traditions as well. And I had been taking groups into... Uh, into Tibet, the highlands of central China and the Tibetan plateau. So I've been teaching this and we've been showing a video of a tumor uh, real time inside of a woman's body and practitioners going through a process to work with her uh, to heal that tumor. And in two minutes and 40 seconds, the tumor, you know, it's not photoshopped or anything before we had any of that. Uh, you literally see a tumor that's there and you see it gradually in two minutes and 40 seconds, it disappears. And, and so when I was diagnosed, when a doctor came in and said, you know, there's something going on with you that shouldn't be happening. My first thought well, was, of course, you know, I've been showing this to hundreds of thousands of people all over the world, a tumor in a bladder and, and what is possible. And this is my opportunity to it demonstrate. It was a tumor in the bladder, same thing? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, realize that that's where it was. Whoa, you had you took it on. Well, you know, it was I said this is my opportunity to demonstrate in my life what I've claimed to be true on the stage uh, around the world. And I, and I told the doctor, I said, give me a couple of weeks to to work with this before, you know, before we do anything anything drastic. And I did everything in my life that I have shared from the stage, everything from heart-brain coherence that we can talk about to, uh, to being able to communicate with the body uh, and with cells in a way that is a little different than what we have typically been taught. You know, we're, we're typically taught that when something's wrong, we pray for it to change. And when we pray for something to change, uh, what we're doing is we're acknowledging that that change doesn't exist. So when you ask for something to happen, what you're saying is you're, you're declaring that what you want to have happen does not yet exist because you're asking for it. And there was an experience that I had when I was in Tibet with uh, the monks and the nuns where they literally said to me that, I'll, I'll, may I just take a moment Please. and share the story? Are I want to know that? every detail and I want to know exactly how you did it because uh, okay. <laughs> so many of us are trying to do the same thing right now. Well, uh, okay, but I'm going to take even a, a, another half step back. I live in a rural area in northern New Mexico, surrounded by indigenous traditions and uh, indigenous communities. Uh, and in the when I first moved into New Mexico in the early, uh, well, 
It was in the, the early 90s. There was a, a drought that was happening, not unlike the drought that we're having right now. And, uh, and a native friend of mine asked me, he said, would you like to come with me to a place that was created by our ancestors so long ago, we don't even know who put this place here, to pray rain? And, you know, as, a, as an Anglo, I had this vision of what was, I thought we were going to see some chanting and some dancing and some, you know, some, some cool stuff. And I said, sure. And I, I met him and we hiked across 100,000 acres of, of the most fragrant high desert sage to a medicine wheel that his ancestors had placed there. And he took his shoes off with his naked feet. He stepped into this medicine wheel. And Maria, he, it wasn't even two minutes. He had his back to me, had his hands in a prayer, prayer mudra in front of him. And uh, he turned around to me and he says, I'm hungry, you want to get a bite to eat? And I said, yeah, sure. I said, but I thought you were going to pray for rain. And this, this is so powerful, what I'm going to share with you. And it played such a powerful role in my life. I said, I thought you were going to pray for rain. And he said, no, if I prayed for rain, rain could never happen. Because the moment we pray for something to occur, we've just acknowledged it does not exist. And I said, if you didn't pray for rain, what just happened? And he said, when I closed my eyes, he says, I felt the feeling of what it feels like to stand with my naked feet in the mud in my Pueblo village. And the mud is there because there's been so much rain. He said, I smelled the smell of what the rain smells like when it rolls off the earthen walls of our Pueblo village. I felt the feeling of what it feels like to walk through the corn that's this high because there's been so much rain against my naked skin. And he said, I gave thanks for the rain that's already occurred. Now, there's more to the story, but, but right there, what's so powerful is that he's incorporated multiple senses in, uh, from a perspective of gratitude rather than from a powerless place of, of asking for something to happen. He's giving thanks for what has already occurred. Now, to a, a scientist watching, they would say, you know, he's fooling himself. But when we understand our relationship to this field, this intelligent field of information that surrounds us, connects us, and permeates our bodies, there's a field of intelligent information that's been confirmed by the superconducting, super collider, in, uh, in CERN, the CERN Research Facility in Geneva, Switzerland. Scientists are no longer skeptical as to whether or not the field exists. The controversy is what does it mean and how do we relate to it? The field is there. So what my friend, his name was David, what David was showing was that we've got to give that field something to work with. When we ask for something to happen, we're affirming to the field that it, it does not exist. When we feel the feeling of what it is that we choose to have in our lives, perfect healing, our relationship, our abundance, our success, uh, you know, whatever that is, we're giving that field something to reflect back to us. We're giving it something to work with. Somehow, Maria, along the way, we were taught to focus on what we don't have and what does not exist rather than this, this very fundamental principle of feeling the feeling and it incorporates imagination in all of the senses and gratitude uh, for what it is that we're choosing to have so, so that the field can mirror that back to us in some way. So we went to lunch in Taos, New Mexico. It was the closest town. 
in the middle of the drought. And by the time I got back onto my land that night, uh, big black clouds were rolling in over the Sangre de Cristos. And it started to rain. Mm -hmm. And it rained. It rained all that night. It rained the next morning. It rained the next afternoon. It rained and rained and rained. It rained so much. Roads were washed out. Cattle were stranded. Crops were ruined. And I called my friend on the phone. And I said, man, this is a mess. I said, what's going on? And he was silent just, just for a moment. And then he, he, he kind of chuckled. He said, you know, that's the part of the prayer that the ancestors could never figure out. <laughs> he said they could tell it <laughs> to rain, but they couldn't tell it how much terrain and and on the weather maps it was the strangest thing the weather map out of colorado springs the weatherman was looking and and here's a low pressure system coming across utah and colorado and then it dipped and did this sharp u-turn into northern new mexico right where that rain was and then it went back up and the weatherman just he looked at it and just said huh that was it huh so so what david showed me was that there is a modality of prayer, uh, affirmative prayer is what some people call it, that's not acknowledged in traditional prayer studies. And it is also called the fifth mode of prayer. There are four modes of prayer that are typically acknowledged, and this is the fifth mode. It's a, a mode based in, in feeling, upon the feeling uh, of, of the outcome as if it's already occurred. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Well, that's also because in, in the quantum, it has occurred. You just haven't caught up with that part, right? So for anyone who's listening, who has been going down the Joe Dispenza meditations, he talks about it and we do it. Like my husband is always, um, moved when he watches me meditate. Cause he sees me crying and smiling and all these different emotions under an eye mask. And I said, well, I have to feel the feelings yeah. of it already happening. So I feel myself going into the doctor this December and him telling me that, there's no more tumor and they can't explain it. And I see the, the writing on the papers that says spontaneous remission, no tumor found. I see the clear MRI. I, I see all of it so vividly. I feel the feelings where I'm crying and then I'm screaming, then I'm super happy. And I go through exactly what that day is going to look like, the people I'm going to call, the things I'm going to say, then the things I'm going to do thereafter. I share this for anybody who likes to hear that process so that they can, you know, do it as well. But from Esther Hicks and all of you who talk about this, you can't come from a place of lack. You have to come from it already happening. So when I do my prayers yeah. at night, I'll say, continue to flow money easily and frequently, continue to flow amazing, collaborative, wonderful people into my life, you know, continue to flow, continue to flow, 
Is that language that you think, am I doing that right, by the way? <laughs> it is. And it's, it's important. The visualization is important and the feeling is important as well. Uh, to feel the feeling uh, of gratitude, of appreciation for what has already come to pass. You mentioned Joe. You know, Joe, my dear friend, my spiritual brother, Joe, we go way back before we even had books. And we were having dinner in, uh, I remember this very clearly, we were having dinner in Sedona, Arizona one night. And uh, we were both busy on the road, and it was rare for us to be able to get together. And it was just the two of us at, at dinner, and that was even more rare. And we, uh, we were having the conversation, this very conversation. And I was saying to Joe, you know, as a scientist, what the scientists typically tell us, if you read the research papers from peer-reviewed science, is that the, the telomeres in our DNA, uh, the little protective caps that predict longevity at, at the end of the DNA, uh, that they typically take six months or a year to reflect any changes in diet or exercise or lifestyle or anything like that. And I, I said to Joe, you know, I, I think that's possible for individuals who are simply going through the motions, not really understanding uh, what it is that's happening to their bodies. But I said, I said, on a quantum level, I personally, I cannot see why it would take why it would take more than hours for these kinds of changes to, to occur. What do you think, Joe? And he says, you know, I, I think the same thing. And so we both began in our individual workshops, and we, we co-presented together as well. We would lead multi-day workshops where we could test uh, the telomeres uh, at the beginning of the workshop for those individuals that wanted to be tested. And then we go through a process for a four-day workshop and test again. At the end of those four days, you could see the changes happening. It doesn't have to take, it can take six months. It doesn't have to. And what all of this speaks to is that there are aspects of our humanness that we're only beginning to understand and that we are on the verge of losing if we give ourselves away to the technology that's being imposed upon us. Uh, and it's being done through very slick, very sexy marketing. I mean, I see some of the, the ads, you know, from the high tech companies about, um, you know, chips in the brain so that you can communicate with your, your computer wirelessly. And, you know, to a young person, that looks pretty cool. They said, uh, you know, a young person says, I, I, can, I can do my gaming without any wires, you know, no keyboard. Sweet. You know, who wouldn't want that? Because we've never been taught ourselves, and rarely do we teach our young people about how precious the human body is and how powerful the human body is and, uh, and how much of it we're only beginning to understand. So, so now I'm going to take... The story of, of David in the rain, you asked about my, my experience. Uh, when I, this same period of time, I was leading the groups into Tibet. And I had the opportunity to meet with a Tibetan monk. Uh, he was the abbot of the entire monastery. It's like the, the, lead, the leader of the entire monastery. And I was asking him about compassion, because compassion is the focus of a lot of the Tibetan traditions. And I, I asked him through a translator, because my, my Tibetan is terrible, and, and I asked him, I said, in your experience, is compassion an, an experience that we have as humans? 
or is it a force of nature? And he and the the translator, they had this whole conversation under themselves. They just kept going on and on and on. They were debating how to answer this question. And then he came back to me with a one-word answer. He said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, wait a minute. I said, is it a force of nature or is it a human experience? And, and the answer was yes. And what he was telling me is that we have the ability to access one of these fundamental forces of nature that Western science is only beginning to understand. We acknowledge in science that there are four fundamental forces, the electromagnetic force, the magnetic force, and what are called the strong and the weak nuclear forces. But in the indigenous traditions here in, in North America, uh, the Navajo believe that beauty is a force of nature. Beauty and compassion are very closely linked, just like magnetism. Just like uh, uh, electro, uh, electromagnetism and, and just like gravity. And that we are changed in the presence of beauty and we are changed in the presence of compassion. It's more than an aesthetic. It literally is a force. So when I ask my Tibetan friend, I ask the, the, the abbot, is compassion a force or is it something that we experience? He said, yes. What he was acknowledging was that we are this rare form of life, Maria, that have the ability to interface on demand, at will, consciously, with the forces of this world, the fundamental forces of, of the universe, to bring about change in our bodies. And it doesn't have to be mystical. It doesn't have to be, you know, bizarre with, you know, candles and incense and gongs and bells and bowls and chimes and, you know, a certain kind of music playing in the background. It can, but it doesn't have to be. This is what he was telling me. So when I had the scan that came back that showed the tumor, now that you have all, all that background, I said, this is my opportunity to, to demonstrate for myself what it is I've been sharing from the stage because I'd never had a reason to in the past. And you can't make this stuff up. The outcome from this was so successful that it gave me the ability to look my audience square on in the eye. I mean, eye to eye, heart to heart, mind to mind, God to God. And I can say to any human on the face of the earth, there is much more to us than we've been led to believe. And that we are part of, not separate from the world around us. And there's a language, a language that allows us to commune. And this is so interesting. In the ancient, ancient text, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, for example, and in the, in the, 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 um, uh, well, the ancient religious texts, the word prayer never comes up. The word prayer does not exist in those texts. When you look at the translation, the word is commune. And that's a very different vibe to commune with the forces of our world rather than pray to the forces of our world. And I know there are a lot of filters, cultural filters, that that information has to sift through. It means different things to different people. For me, what happened was I embarked on a two-week journey of placing my body into a state of coherence. I know you've talked about in your programs, and we can more as, as well if you'd like. Uh, in, in that state of heart-brain coherence, where we aren't locked into the polarity of the brain. So the brain is a polarity organ. 
will it will always see good and bad and right and wrong and worthy and not worthy and success and failure. When you create coherence in your body, you transcend that. And this is where, from a place of coherence, feeling the feeling that our body is in perfect health. Uh, and letting our body know, literally letting our body know how much we love our body. So you would say, I, uh, I, I love my Maria. I love my Greg. And in, it's in this state of coherence where those emotions and those feelings of appreciation and gratitude have a chemical outcome. They literally shift the chemistry in our bodies. And that chemistry is reflected in, in our health and healing. And for me, uh, now this is the crazy part. This is the human crazy part. I went through that process for two weeks. How long did you do this for? Brain and heart two, coherence? Two, was two it, weeks. But meditations weeks. every day? Like how? Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call them meditations in a traditional sense. What I was the Greg myself, recipe? Yeah, I, well, I, I placed myself into heart-brain coherence and... Uh, usually twice a day, once, uh, and I wasn't really structured about it. It would be, it wasn't like it, you know, six o'clock a.m., you know, every day this had to happen, but sometime in the morning, and then always at night, um, as I'm going to sleep, I would begin this, and I, I can't tell you when it ended because I would drift off to sleep it, when it was happening, and, and I felt like that was the, the perfect place to, to have this mindset going into the deep healing of the sleep process, because then it continues throughout the night. This is the last thing that I'm consciously thinking as I, mm -hmm. as I go into that, uh, you know, those, those lower brain states, uh, the thetas and, and the, the delta brain states for, for healing. So I, I did this for two weeks, but here's the crazy part, Maria. There's still a part of me that doubted my own power. And I went into uh, a hospital, in Jacksonville, Florida, and I went through the process as if they were going to do the surgery. I was prepped, I was anesthetized, I was in the OR. Wait, you didn't even have them do a scan to see if your work had worked yet? They wouldn't do it. They said they'd already done the scan and they didn't see a need to do it again. So they went through this, and this is crazy. I literally was less than 20 minutes in the OR. They cut you open. No, no, they didn't cut me open. Oh, they, they were going to give, there's another way to access a bladder tumor. Got it. <laughs> For both males and females, it doesn't require incisions. So I literally woke up and the doctor was saying to me, and I was still anesthetized, but I, I was, you know, waking up and he was saying to me, why are you here? Why are you here? There's nothing there. You just wasted my time. And he was he was a little upset and he was a little mystified. He said, "You know, why are you why are you here? How could you have gotten here unless there was something wrong?" And and I wanted to be really honest with him, so I was talking to him about my trip to Tibet and my Native American friends <laughs> under anesthesia as he was walking out the door. The, I'm, I'm sure it, you know it made no sense to him at all. But the the point is uh, that what I had been sharing for. Uh, for many years from the stage and seeing the video of a bladder tumor disappear in front of thousands of people. Once I had that experience for myself, it, not that I, I didn't feel confident before, but it was a level of confidence that can only be achieved by having the experience. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I could honestly look at my audience 
in a way that I'd never been able to before because I had, I actually had the experience. So David, my Native American friend, taught me about the the feeling is the prayer, and the Tibetan experience uh, showed me that that compassion and and human emotion not only are experiences, but we are literally accessing a fundamental force of nature. That's a very different... I'm just going to acknowledge everything we're saying is a very different way of thinking. Uh, I wish I had been trained to think this way when I was a child. When I was in school back in the 1950s and 1960s, this is not the way people were thinking. This is not what was taught. And I've recently discovered that we are still teaching in high school and college here in the United States of America, false assumptions based upon obsolete science. Science that we know is obsolete, but there is this effort to cling to an obsolete story rather than embrace the new discoveries and where they may lead. Because where they are leading is so very different from what we've been led to believe in the past. So the the net effect whether we're talking about the human body or we're talking about climate change or we're talking about how we fuel our society or how we fuel an economy. It's all comes down to the way we've been taught to think about ourselves. And we're teaching our young people false assumptions based upon obsolete science. And we're asking them to solve the problems that we created through the same thinking that created the problems. And it makes no sense. And the human body is a big part of this. And uh, Joe and I both, uh, Dr. Joe and I have both had, the, and our, our dear friend, Dr. Bruce Lipton as well. Mm-hmm. We, the three, three of us have, have taught together frequently in the past. And we always have medical professionals in our audience. We had a cardiac surgeon from Stanford University. We've had uh, uh, from Carnegie Mellon uh, 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 neurosurgeons. And they come, they're open-minded. They come to our programs and they, they say to us, why don't we know about this? Why don't we know that there is a neural network in the human heart that we can use to harmonize with the brain and create coherence in the body? Why don't we know about this? Because it's not being taught. Although the discoveries were made, you know, back in the 90s. So it's a long answer to a short question, and I wanted to give you uh, the, the foundation, and we can tie into any of that in any way you'd like to. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days, and I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor, and it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios, and then I got addicted, and now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. 
I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. That's amazing. I, um, I, I love hearing people's journey to healing. And I love the fact that you were even still skeptical after teaching this. And by the way, that's probably why it had to happen to you. It had to happen for so many reasons, a, for you to see it, but also for you to be able to be so much more rooted in your teachings with someone or with everyone. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So Heart and brain coherence. Can you yeah. share a little bit more about what that looks like? I know we talk sure. about it. We've talked about it before, but even myself, I've been meditating with Dr. Joe's meditation since January. Um, I think it kind of comes and goes where I feel like I'm hitting or I'm not hitting. And so yeah. I would love for people and for myself to understand even more. Yeah, this is uh, Joe and I are, are on the same page with this. He, he had me come in and actually uh, to one of his programs and share what I'm going to share with you to share with with his community. And it, it's a foundation for a lot of what we do. Once we create that state of coherence, you can go in many directions. Uh, but the coherence is the common theme, the common denominator. So in 1991, scientists discovered uh, approximately 40,000 specialized, uh, specialized cells in the human heart. And I'm hesitating here because when I say discovered, they'd always been there. They had just never been recognized. They were, they were sensory neurites. So these are, are neural cells, but they're not in the brain, they're in the heart. And they're concentrated in a way that actually creates a neural network like we have in the brain. But here's where it gets really interesting. The, the neural network in the heart, it is independent of the cranial brain. So our heart's neural network, it thinks independently, it feels independently, it remembers independently. Our heart has its own memory. Uh, just a, a little aside, this is beginning to, to help scientists understand, and, and you've probably heard this anecdotally, when, uh, when a recipient of a heart transplant uh, goes through the healing process, they will often take on characteristics of the person whose body their heart used to be inside of, of, of the donor. So this, I mean, this goes from diet, uh, they'll begin to crave certain kinds of foods. A very famous story about uh, a, a woman in her 80s that received a heart and she suddenly had a craving for a very specific kind of beer, it was Coors, Coors Light and, uh, and red hot chili peppers that she'd never eaten in her life. And they did a little research and the, the male that she received the heart from, these were his favorite foods. Wow. But this even goes to sexual orientation. Uh, recipients of, of heart transplants have had a, a 180 in their sexual orientation after the surgery that matches the sexual orientation of the donor. And, 
And these have always been anecdotal stories. You know, doctors say, huh, isn't that interesting? You know, next. And, yes. And now. Yes. Wait, don't even go over that so quickly. That is something that I found so fascinating. My mom had stage four brain cancer. And anytime I brought them something outside of chemo and radiation, where I was like, hey, this, this seems to be working. This other thing we're doing, you should probably share this with patients. They're like, yep, yep, great. And then moving on, nobody wanted to no. look into it any further or try anything because this is the standard of care. This is what we do. And then by the, but the funny part is two and a half, three years later, they were doing all the things that I was doing. And then well, coming is, to me, like it was like this new discovery. I go, guys, I was telling you about this three years ago. Wait, what? This is the way, this is the way it happens. I think there is, uh, there is a concerted effort to cling to what's called the standard model of physics, the standard model of, of evolution, of human evolution and our origin, even though the science no longer, and the evidence no longer supports either uh, of those in the way that we have in the past. Well, so also that hasn't caught up to some of them. So when, before we started with you, I was mentioning Wim Hof, who I'm sure you're very oh, yeah. familiar with. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I said, before Wim Hof, you could not control the autonomic nervous system. Post Wim Hof, you can control the autonomic nervous system. Now, there are probably many doctors and many scientists who, if you propose this idea now, years later, and said, can you control the autonomic nervous system? They would tell you absolutely not, right? Because they haven't been so, exposed yeah, to it sure. yet. They don't even know Wim Hof exists, but there is a man out there named Wim Hof who has done it and is training, training many, many people to do the same. So that's the same thing with this. You know, it hasn't, they haven't gotten to it. It is. And this is, it takes time. Well, in the past, it has taken time for this information to trickle into our community. What's happening now is the world is changing so fast, we don't have that time. So we can now take this information directly, well-researched in a very responsible, very professional manner, take it to those people that are open to it, and that can make use of it. And for those that aren't ready for it, that's, that's okay, because it's there when they need it. Uh, we all learn differently and we all learn at different paces and, uh, and, and that's the beauty of the way we learn. So, so 1991, the neural network was discovered in the human heart. It thinks, feels, and remembers and experiences independently of the cranial brain, which right there goes a long way to help us understand why therapy sometimes is not, it, it can help, but it may not completely remedy experiences of trauma. Uh, I'm a survivor of, uh, of childhood trauma, uh, alcoholic, very dysfunctional, alcoholic, abusive alcoholic family. And, you know, I've, uh, there's a whole story we could go into on that, but I can speak firsthand from this that uh, simply thinking and trying to resolve from the brain uh, a deeply emotional traumatic experience often is incomplete. For the reasons that we talked about, the brain will always work in polarity. The brain will always see right and wrong, good and bad, worthy and not worthy, success and failure. So the heart doesn't see either one of those. So, so this discovery, 1991, it wasn't published until 1994 in a very famous journal. It's called Neurocardiology, which the title tells the whole story, <laughs> Neurocardiology, you know, brain cells and, and heart. So what came from this uh, was the realization that these two organs, the heart and the brain, are separate 
physically separate organs with physically separate neural networks that we as humans uniquely have the ability to harmonize at will, on demand, in the moment that we choose. We can take these two organs and harmonize them into a single potent system that brings uh, healing and longevity and resilience to our bodies. Now, I, I always get some pushback on this from animal lovers, and they say, well, what about animals? Animals can do this by instinct. It's instinctual. It's not a conscious choice. We're the only form of life that can sit down in a moment in time and say, in this moment, I choose to harmonize my heart and my brain, creating what is called a state of coherence, a high level of coherence between the heart and the brain. And there are many benefits from doing that. I just mentioned some of them. We, uh, we strengthen our immune system by creating heart-brain coherence. Who doesn't want that, you know, in this day and age? We awaken longevity enzymes that we all have, but are often dormant. Uh, until we, we give them the environment to, to do what they're designed to do. So longevity enzymes. Resilience to stress. We're all under stress in ways that we don't even know right now. Uh, and, and these are, are the passive benefits. Now, there are active benefits. Once you create that heart-brain coherence, you can actively enter into deep states of intuition, uh, deep intuition on demand. So we've all experienced intuition spontaneously. So you, you think about calling somebody and you go to pick up the phone to call them and they're already on the phone. That, that's spontaneous intuition. The question is, can you repeat that five minutes later? And the act of trying to do it will probably prevent you from having the experience because it's no longer intuitive. Now it's, it's a conscious act. So, th so the question is, how do we access these miraculous states of intuition on demand, heart-brain coherence is the foundation. Once you're in that state of coherence, it's like, what will I do with my coherence? Door number one, door number two, door number three, you know, will I access deep states of intuition? Will I access deep states of cognition or deep states of memory and recall? Uh, so the ability to access this state is is the, the foundation. And then all these things we can do, we have classes where we train people into deep states of, of cognition and recall and memory. And these are the kinds of things, any of our viewers that ever watched any of the Jason Bourne movies <laughs> uh, with Matt Damon, I mean, this is Jason Bourne stuff. And they use this in, uh, in the special ops where an individual can walk into a room. Their eyes have seen the whole room. And then they leave, your eyes have seen it. The question is, can you recall what you have seen? To an untrained person, typically it's difficult. But once you train through this coherence to allow yourself to access the memory that your, your brain has just created, then you can, you can tell exactly how many electrical outlets are there, how many pictures on the wall, how many lights on the ceiling, you know, all this stuff. So all this different applications from the same technique of heart-brain coherence, this is where access to the, the healing of our body becomes so potent. Because when you're in the state of coherence now, not only are you visualizing, but you're feeling the feeling and giving thanks of gratitude for the healing that has already occurred, just like the rain that has already occurred in your body. So here's what your body does. I'll, I'll just paraphrase your, the cells in your body. Your body is, is saying, oh, 
I'm getting a signal of gratitude for the healing. I better, I better get in gear and create the healing because, because we're, we are giving thanks, creating a condition. And there's a chemical equivalent to that. There's a chemical component to that. And so your body begins to create the chemistry that matches that gratitude, that matches that appreciation for whatever it is that you're thinking or visualizing. And I, I've done this so many times in my life. I continue to do it. Um, and it, it's like a muscle, Maria. The more you do it, it becomes almost second nature. And for some people, and people said this to me, they feel like they're lying to themselves. If they give thanks for the healing, but the doctor tells them they're sick, they say, well, am, am I being honest with myself? And the answer is, you are being so profoundly honest on a level that is so much deeper than what the doctor is looking at. The doctor is looking at the outpicturing, the result. And what you're doing is you are communing, communing with the underlying field that's creating the outpicturing. So uh, we can go anywhere you want to go with that. And well, that's a lot of information, but I, I just wanted to share some of those stories because everybody learns differently and then people will hear different pieces of this. And yeah. I mean, you've already said things that I have never heard before. I wonder, does brain and heart coherence get achieved just simply by meditating and becoming no one, nowhere, no time? Is that well, this just, is, uh, is that automatic? I, I, want, I, I want to give this the, the time and attention it deserves. Uh, we have known, uh, uh, humans uh, have known about coherence for a long time. Indigenous peoples, I have been blessed in my life to travel to some of the most remote and isolated and beautiful and magnificent and pristine places remaining in the world. Uh, I thought I was going for the archaeology, but once I got there, it was the time with the people and their culture and their traditions is really where the action is. That's where, where it gets really juicy. And what I had discovered, now I haven't been with every indigenous culture, but from the Tibetans of the, 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 the plateau to the Southern Andes, the shamans in the Andes and, and the Yucatan uh, and the Bedouin in Egypt and all through the American desert Southwest and Nepal and India and everywhere I've been, the common theme to all of their mystical traditions is they all begin in the heart. So this has been known. It was just validated by science recently. Now, the, the Institute of Heart Math, and I'm sure you've heard of, of them, maybe had them on the program, I don't know. Uh, in 1990, I'm, I'm not their employee, but I have been, I've worked with them since, almost since their inception on the West Coast in 1990. Uh, and they're located... Uh, just outside of uh, Santa Cruz, California. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. The Institute of Heart Math is a pioneering research organization, science-based, that is exploring the human heart in non-traditional aspects. Uh, and their science has been published in peer-reviewed journals, and they have done more to further the understanding of heart-brain coherence pretty much single-handedly than anyone else. What Joe is doing is, is working with heart math. He's tying into their techniques uh, he's been given permission to do that. I have as well as an independent author. I can't speak for Joe, but I just, uh, know about this, this relationship. So we are drawing upon the research that HeartMath has generous, generously shared with us. And from that research, we've developed our own unique perspectives and techniques of what we do once we achieve that state of coherence. So what, what HeartMath did was they took all the science and they refined into three simple steps. Uh, it's a shift in focus from the mind to the heart. It is a shift in breathing uh, to awaken the parasympathetic nervous system. And it's a shift in emotion, uh, primarily the emotion of gratitude. And we've got entire videos on the YouTube channel that lead people through this. And I talk about it pretty much in all my books. And we can... Talk about as much as you'd like here. I just want people to know the Institute of Heart Math in modern times, since the early 1990s, pretty much single-handedly has refined this to a practice that can be utilized on a daily basis. They have built technology, sensors and feedback mechanisms that you can purchase for your computer. Most major hospitals are now using heart math technology uh, to help patients create what's called a heart rate variability, a greater degree of heart rate variability through this feedback. So once they breathe the correct way and once they have the right feeling, they can see it on the screen. Now you no longer need the gadget because you know what it feels like to, mm. you know, to have that experience. So um, we should get a link to the YouTube that you did and share it in this episode so people can grab it and Okay, there is. I, I will ask uh, my office to send a link to, it's a standalone video of, of the three steps of, of the heart-brain coherence. Once you create that coherence, so if you're going to do that, I'll just be very clear. The coherence is a technique in, into itself, unto itself. It's a standalone technique. Simply by creating that coherence, and the, and the recommended length of time is about three minutes, three minutes of heart-brain coherence has been shown to increase DHEA levels over 100% in that three minutes. DHEA is the precursor to all the other hormones in the body that we need, both male and female. Um, without any supplements or changes in diet or exercise or anything, Three minutes increases the DHEA levels over 100%. It lowers the cortisol levels by about 23%. It strengthens the immune response. It increases heart rate variability. And the more heart rate variability you have, the more resilience you have to change and stress. So we're all being subjected to change and stress. So just from these three minutes, you, you begin to develop a, a, a greater resilience. 
uh, to those things. It awakens the longevity enzymes. It stimulates the longevity enzymes uh, that we have in our bodies just from those three minutes. Now, once you achieve that in those three minutes, there are other things that you may want to do, and this is what we're talking about. It's, it's from that place of coherence. If you wanted to have a conversation with your body about healing, this is the place. You can do it from anywhere. This is the place where it has a deep meaning because now you're communicating with your body in the language your body recognizes from a place of power rather than a place of fear. Often when the prayers are there, they're prayers of fear because we're afraid for our health and we've been told something's wrong with us. And it's a very different way of thinking. When we begin to understand how our body works, rarely is the body broken. Rarely. What, what our bodies do in their intelligence is they will signal us when they have too much of something they don't need or not enough of something they do need. And thinking of it from that perspective, the body's not broken. It is telling us how it responds in a particular environment. And if we don't like that response, what is it that needs to change in the environment? And the, the greatest I mean, when we talk about environment, certainly we talk about, you know, the air and chemicals and water and food and all that, and they're important. But Maria, what the, the studies have shown very clearly is the most potent uh, environment is the emotional environment in our bodies. And it's the one that we are probably least conditioned to understand and accept and least trained to understand and accept. And where it gets even trickier is some of that emotion is, is subconscious. Uh, and coming from uh, an abusive family of, of trauma, I had to come to terms with that, that I had unconscious thoughts and feelings uh, about my ability to protect myself and my family mm. the, from being in an environment with someone who had power over me. Uh, you know, when you're just a kid, what yeah. can you do? And so was that what you had to heal from, you think? Because I I remember when you said when you were diagnosed with the tumor, you said, I thought I had done all the work up until then, but I realized there was more to do. Was that the more you had to do? It it will never end to the last breath of my life. I will be healing and I will be learning. I'm a student of understanding my relationship to my world and, and my past. Having said that, the more I understand the, the deeper my gratitude for what I have experienced because it has led me to know myself and through that to be able to share in a way that's truthful, honest, and factual uh, with other people that are maybe having similar experiences. But this, uh, this well, so the answer is yes. Uh, I, I had done a lot of healing around that and run into a lot of walls from the traditional healing. It was okay, but it wasn't enough. It was incomplete. There's something missing, something lacking. And now beginning to understand our unique ability, this is so powerful, to harmonize two separate organs into a single system. And from that, that's a, a healing unto itself right there. From that healing to be able to initiate greater states of healing emotionally. Uh, is, and I'm going to emphasize this again, because it's not done from the brain. When we look at our lives from the brain, we're always going to focus on that polarity, 
Worthy, not worthy. That was a big one for me. Um, you know, good enough, not good enough. Um, uh, right or wrong, good and bad. Uh, success and failure. That was a big one for me. Uh, coming from an alcoholic family, the abuser typically belittles those around them to elevate their own experience. And when you're a kid and you're told that, you know, you're not enough and you won't accomplish anything in your life, that becomes a program that will play a role in, in, in not just me, anyone who's having that experience. And it's possible to transcend the program. That's the beauty. But it's hard to do it when you're thinking from inside the program. So the coherence is a way to elevate us beyond the limits of that program. And so, so the, the coherence for me is where the action is. It's where it really, really begins. And from that coherence, the deep appreciation for the healing in my body. And, and I'll say this, we are all already healed. Even the person with the greatest disease is already healed because the body is always healing. And what we're asking for is a greater level of healing. We're already healed. We're just asking for a greater level of, of the healing that's already there. And when you begin to think about your body in that way, it's very different from what we've been conditioned to think of in the past. So, so. would you talk to your cells and your organs? Totally. Totally. And, you know, some people will, will laugh about that. We have about 50 trillion cells in, in the body, uh, the average body. And what we're rarely taught, uh, this is going to tie into the beginning of our conversation. We've got about 50 trillion cells in the average human body. Every one of those cells is a, is a tiny electrical circuit. Maria, it's got about 0.07 volts of electrical potential. You say, well, that's not very much. And I say, you're right, but you do the math, 50 trillion times 0.07, it's, it's over uh, something like 35 trillion volts, 350 trillion volts of electrical potential. But it doesn't stop there because every cell, it, it functions as a transistor. It functions as a resistor. It's a capacitor that stores and releases information. Every cell in our body is transmitting photons of light. We are light emitters, light generators, and we're receiving photons. Light is information. We're in constant dialogue with our environment, with the field, with our world, and with our friends, our families, our loved ones, not verbally, but through these photons of light that carry information. Uh, every cell in our body has a memory, just like the memory on the computer chip. We, we store and release information, and we, have this, we hold this memory, and we do so much more, and we are the only form of life that we know of with the ability to self-regulate all of these functions. We literally are a technology, not a hard technology with silicone chips and plastic and wires. We're more sophisticated than that. We are a highly advanced, technologically sophisticated, technologically sophisticated soft technology of neurons and cell membranes that and ion potentials and electrical charge that we self-regulate through thought, feeling, emotion, belief, breath, it's Wim Hof, and focus. Thought, feeling, emotion, belief, breath, and focus. The very principles of our most ancient and cherished spiritual and indigenous traditions. They didn't have the science, but man, they understood 
who we are and how we relate. And this, this is where we begin, or we go back to beginning this conversation. Because we are conditioned as a society, and we're teaching our young people that we are flawed as a species. As carbon-based life, that we're flawed. And that emotion is a flaw. That's what's being taught. It, it inhibits our ability to make logical decisions. That the significance that we give to our memories is a flaw that keeps us locked into belief systems that don't serve us. These are, are considered flaws. And so if we are flawed, we need something to save us. And right now, and everybody watching knows this, technology is being touted as our savior. And we're being told that to be successful in life and to be healthy in our bodies, we need something outside of us to become the best version of ourselves when in fact, we are the technology. And all of that tech that's built out there from the internet and chips and lasers and wires, as cool as they are, they all mimic what we already do in the cells of our bodies, except we do it better when, when we give ourselves the environment to do it. And this is where we are as a society right now. Are we going to give ourselves away to the technology and lose these precious, unique human abilities, or are we going to wake up to the potential of what it really means to be human? And we're just tapping on a little bit of it. We're talking about self-healing. It goes way beyond that. But it's a beautiful example. We don't want to give ourselves away, at least until we know what we're giving away. And we don't know right now. As a society, we have not embraced what it means to be fully human. That's my passion in life and work, and I share that with, uh, you know, Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, so many other really good people out there that are, are carrying a, a similar message. So, I other than it. that, not much happening. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm going to let the girls ask anything last they want to ask. I, I don't know if you guys have anything. Oh, I know we covered a lot of stuff, but... You guys covered a lot. I think my... You kind of asked it, Maria. My main thing was like how to actually do the heart brain coherence. But you mm -hmm. answered that Greg too. And I really want to we'll get you the video. Yeah. Watch the videos. Cause I'm in, yeah. I needed to hear that message today. And I think it's so crazy. Like that's fascinating that your heart has its own memory. Like that mm. blew me away. So anyways, I'm just very grateful. That was such a cool conversation. Who, yeah. Whose voice, whose voice was that? That's Kelsey. Kelsey. Hi, <laughs> Kelsey. Okay. Kelsey, thank you. And, um, uh, well, Kelsey, first, I want to thank you for working with my office uh, to make oh, all of this happen today. I, I just want to say that before we, we close out today. But, uh, but what you're saying is, is such, I mean, we glossed over so many topics. Every experience that we've ever had in our lives, we've registered it in two places, in our heart as well as our brain. Our brain filters it through the polarities of success and failure and good and bad, and our heart our heart takes it in very, very differently. And, uh, you know, for the joyous experiences, rarely do we hear about anyone stuck in joy. You, you don't hear about people, they don't go to a therapist and say, man, I got so much joy in my life, can you help me dial it back a little bit? But trauma, when we're experiencing, and we've all experienced some form of trauma in our lives, when we find that traditional ways of healing are incomplete, this is an invitation to look a little deeper, and begin working from the heart and the neural network in the heart because those memories are separate from the memories in the brain. And it's a, again, it's a very different way of thinking, but it, it, and it is opening the door to, to new and deeper levels of healing 
that free us from the trauma and the fear so that we can love fearlessly in our lives. And I think that's really where such a powerful time in our society. And there's so much fear that's being generated. And when we begin to embrace the deep truth of our humanness and who we are in here, what happens in the world out there looks less fearful. It doesn't change it, but it changes how we respond to it. Because we begin to have a deeper confidence in ourselves and our ability to navigate whatever it is that life brings to our doorstep. Maria, does that make sense if I say it, it that does. way? It does. You know, something hit me, though, when you were talking in the difference about the brain and the, the heart, the brain having the polarity, the heart doesn't have that polarity. Right when you were talking, I realized, oh, well, that's why they always say love is the answer. Because with love and that compassion that you can have for people, that's kind of, um, there is no polarity there. It just is. Right. right. Um, I don't know why that was just kind of, popping out at that same time. Love is the answer. Love is the answer. And if you think about where we're at as a society, that's what's really lacking because it's really about my opinion is better than your opinion or I'm right and you're wrong. It's all polarity. The only thing that isn't is heart. And, and that is, um, that is what we need more of. Like I, I watch every day in amazement, um, the lack of, love, empathy, and compassion out there. Yes, people make mistakes. They're horrible mistakes sometimes. Yes, we will be human in the moments if it's happening to us where we might be mad, but hopefully we can get to a place of love where we realize if it was us, we would hope someone would have love and compassion for us too. Uh, Maria, well, this is important. It's, it's probably a, uh, a conversation, completely separate conversation. Greg and Maria, part two. Part two, I love but it. We, but we, we are experiencing a level of social engineering that we've never seen before, where we are being divided and our social alliances are being broken in the family and society, community, and even as a nation, that makes us very vulnerable to unhealthy ideas, including uh, the technology and, and our bodies and, and things like that. And it's by coming to terms with what we're talking about without judging. It's, you know, people have asked me a lot, um, about mistakes from the past. And I, I prefer to think that we're all on a big learning curve. Individuals, uh, as a society, as a nation, as a planet, we're on this big learning curve. And things that worked for us in the past were based on what we knew at the time. Mm -hmm. And they served us because we're here. We have to say it worked. But now we're outgrowing so many of those ideas and we have to, to allow ourselves to let go of some of the the old ideas and the obsolete information that, that no longer serves us, not because we made a mistake, but because we've outgrown it emotionally, spiritually, uh, socially. And, and that frees us to embrace these new ideas. And I think this is the way, this is the way we move forward. Uh, and I really appreciate you having a platform uh, and sharing me with part of your community and sharing a part of your day with me today. I Thank appreciate you. that. Thank well, you. Well, we're super grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule to be with us and to share all of this. This was such an amazing conversation. I'm very excited that you queued up part two, because normally what happens after an episode <laughs> is I'll sit with Kelsey and say, you know, I really think we need a part two about such and such. So we've got our part two ready to go. You know, it was some, thank you for that. And sometimes what we do is, is we, we've covered so much ground, people have questions, mm -hmm. and in part two, we can address some of those 
questions uh, a little bit deeper. I love that. So, so if you're watching this on YouTube right now, friends, put a comment in the uh, in the comments below. Leave us a question. Leave us anything you want to know more about, and we will um, find those. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, um, head on over to YouTube and leave the comments in there. So that are the questions in the comments. Well, and speaking of YouTube, we will leave the link uh, to the YouTube video. It's a, a brief video on heartbreak coherence. However, uh, I also encourage people to go directly to the HeartMath website, www.heartmath, it's all one word, H-E-A-R-T, capital M-A-T-H, dot org. And you will see all the projects, the research, the science, the techniques. You can become a, a part of a HeartMath community at no charge with like-minded people. And they, they create coherence usually once a month uh, to... The part we didn't get to is that the coherence within our bodies actually has an effect that extends beyond our bodies into social coherence. And in communities where coherence is being created, crimes against people decline, emergency hospital room visits decline, uh, assaults and all those things decline. So, so there's more than uh, what's good for us, personal coherence is good for us. Uh, it's really good for our community. So I just wanted to give a shout out to to HeartMath and, and encourage people to go to to check them out as well. I love it. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, until next time. I look forward to our next. Thank you so much. All right, Queens, what are we thinking? Oh my gosh. I really, it's so funny. We always talk about this, but I really needed to hear all of that today. Me too. All of it. Like I took, I always take notes, but I took copious notes and I'm going to go now transfer them to my journal. It's just like, it's amazing. And the whole idea of coming from a place of lack, that really hit me today. The heart brain coherence, like I'm going to start doing that ASAP. Yeah. Wow. He's really good at explaining very carefully yes. and slowly um, and clearly so, so I never felt lost or confused or anything like that, but nope. I will say what I really love about this episode is even just hearing about how long it takes for science to catch up or for people to catch up or for anybody, it just is a reminder to everyone that our minds need to stay in possibility and in hope. Without hope, where are we, guys? If we want to just definitively say, you're a goner if you have stage four brain cancer. Well, guess what? We didn't believe that and my mom got five years. Now, everyone is individual and everyone's story is going to be different. There are people who probably felt the same way and you know their journey, their soul's journey had ended faster than my mom's, let's say. Or there are people that I'm watching that are having it much longer than my mom. And, um, and so I have a friend, he's going on seven years and by the way, symptom free, completely normal. You would never know. And he lives his life as if he has no idea. He is a walking miracle. But if we are so rooted in, I'm going to have this forever, or I'm going to die in six months or whatever, if we have so much belief behind, um, these things, then you can't believe the other things are possible. So um, I really loved that part of the conversation. I love the whole conversation, but I just love that everything takes time. So what's not curable today might be curable tomorrow. And, um, and I just, I, I really love that. And I love um, just kind of solidifying that for us. I agree. 
and I like to to go off of that, you know, when he's saying it's like we're already healed. Mm-hmm. We just want that next level. Like coming at it from that mindset versus like, no, I'm not, and now I need healing. It's like, no, I'm already healed, but I want my next level of mm-hmm. healing. I thought that that was so cool. That was cool. And I and that's why I love Dr. Joe's meditations because every single day I'm focusing on feeling the feelings of it already happening. And, 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 and he'll tell you to like reach out for it. So I see like a quantum field and I see my H for healing over in the distance. And I see the N for my new life over here. And I just pull them in when we're talking about them in the meditations. And then I feel them, you know, my new life with, you know, the things that I see in my new life. Um, and they're already happening by the way. All of these things that I've been meditating on for eight months are in process. They're actually physically happening already. Things are happening. So it is happening. Whether all of it has been presented yet, 100%, um, you know, that's a different story. But I know it's, it's out here and it's just my job to keep working on bringing it closer to me so that there is no separation. There is no distance. Um, so, I mean, listen, I'm a work in progress. I'm still figuring it out and I might not be using all the right terminology either, but, uh, but I'm trying friends and I know you are too. And we're grateful for you being on this journey with us. Uh, before we go friends, we have an amazing heel event for our inner circle in the Patreon, our super heel squad. Uh, if you want to join, click the link below to join Patreon, $10 a month. You get to be a part of these amazing heel events with practitioners that, either are not practicing anymore to the general public or you may not have access to. So we get them in for these super intimate experiences. Marion DeMarco is amazing. You guys are going to love her. Um, so join us um, for that. If you haven't checked out Macy's.com backslash better together, I have my special curated page there with all of my picks, fashion, home, beauty, um, everything that I'm loving. And uh, I know you'll love too is on there. If you find something you love there, you obviously support the show. But if there's something that you're looking for that we didn't pull and you use that link, you do continue to support the show as well. So thank you for that. Um, We are grateful for all of you who are um, shopping there and supporting us. And Macy's, of course, for supporting us. And for all of our Patreon members, thank you all. In the meantime, be nice people, make good choices and be present. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.